friend, I'm enthusiastic because this episode is the first one that is entirely made of your questions and my answer to them. As we've been exploring all sorts of topics, we're getting comfortable with each other and the following was bound to happen. You want to talk about sex? Yeah, we're getting real. All right, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> Welcome to the Friendly Rev Podcast, where we grow in Christian spirituality without being bogged down by church politics. I'm a full-fledged minister without a church, and I love to give sincere, easy-to-understand answers. I never judge, and I don't exclude anyone. I would love to be your Friendly Rev. My name is Etienne Lesage. Let's have a chat. Hello, my friend. It's really nice that you're taking the time to connect again, and I'm happy we're spending this time together. Today's episode will be entirely devoted to matters of sexuality and love in light of what's been happening in the Christian news in the world. I've been receiving quite a few questions around the theme of sexuality, and um, I'm just thrilled that you trust me enough to send me those questions and that these will give us some positive space to talk about issues of sexuality, which are so important to our well-being. Our first question is short and to the point, and I want to give it an answer that is also simple. It goes like this. Hi, every time I masturbate, I feel a sense of guilt and shame. Should I? Oh, I love a good honest question. I'll give you an honest answer. Masturbation is never talked about in the Bible. Jesus doesn't say a word about it. None. You see, traditionally, churches have spoken against anything sexual that does not directly lead to procreation. Um, so let's call these practices, for the benefits of this episode, let's call these sexual practices non-productive sex, as in not producing another life. Okay? Now you're saying that you are feeling guilt and shame. Well, guilt is only useful when it shows you that you've been doing something wrong. And shame is never useful. Now, I don't know if someone thought you that you're doing something wrong. And I really hate it when Christians think that they have a say on what people are doing with their bodies, instead of just taking care of their own selves. Um, no one has a right to tell you what to do with your body. I am an ordained minister, and that doesn't give me that right. And I'm thinking, though, that as long as you're not doing something that hurts yourself or someone else, you're okay. If what you do also involves another person, then do you have their consent? Are you asking them to watch or do something they don't want to do? No? Well, don't spend too much time with guilt and shame then. If the advice of other Christian teachers, guides, or community is important to you, then go to those who will leave your body alone 
and concentrate on nurturing your heart and your soul. Now let's add another question to the mix. Homosexuality. The Vatican has released um, another statement that again says that homosexuality is a sin. Now the Catholic Church is sending mixed messages because last year we remember that um, Pope Francis said that it was wonderful that society would allow same-sex couple to have an experience of family and security and that they should be protected by our laws. And now the cardinal that is heading the congregation of the doctrine and faith, which is, let's call it the Catholic Church's membership department. They decide who's in and who's out. They're saying that homosexuality is a sin. Again, he's saying you can't ask us, the Catholic Church, to bless unions that are not meant to be blessed. What is meant to be blessed is what is capable of receiving God's grace, and sin in itself cannot be blessed. Hey, that's quite the insult, Cardinal. So, a piece of inanimate wood can be blessed and receive grace, but not an actual person who happens to love another person of the same gender. I am so rolling my eyes right now. Then he tries to make up for the nasty statement by saying God continuously blesses all of his children, but he will not bless sin. We are so tired of hearing that. And when I say we, it's because I identified as LGBTQ+, because I'm a gay man, and I live with my long-term partner, who is a bisexual man. Simply because we're not heterosexuals, the Roman Catholic Church and some Protestant churches are telling us that we should be celibate. And it's probably because they really want to discourage unproductive sex, as we talked about already. I received a question from Chris that says, Etienne, can you please tell us how and where in the Bible is homosexuality condemned as a sin? Well, Chris, I might surprise you here, but the Bible is not to blame for that. Well, not too much. And I'm so sorry it was not taught to you before. It would have saved you a lot of pain. Yes, there are a few verses, but we need to understand how they got into the Bible. Leviticus 18.22 says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman, it is an abomination. And if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Okay, that sounds awful. And this is not permission to hurt or kill any gay person. Now, these verses are part of Leviticus. That's a book. That's one of the first five books. And traditionally, people thought that Moses had written those five books because Moses was the authority figure when he received the Ten Commandments from God or when he would communicate to the people what they should or shouldn't do. You shall or you shall not. And when it came from Moses, it was law. But now we know that Moses probably did not write these books. 
he was not the author. At first, scholars were trying to make sense of some contradictions that can be found in the Bible, especially between the books and within the books of the First Testament. Historical sciences assess that those books were not all written at the same time by the same author. Archaeologists and other scholars established what nowadays uh, we call the document hypothesis. It supposes that the First Testament was written by four different groups, four different authors, at different places and different times over centuries, and that's important. They suggest that there are four authors called by their first letter, so J for Yahwist, E for Elohim, D for Deuteronomy, and P for Priestly. The oldest source is authors J and E. They wrote between year 950 before Christ and 850 before Christ or before Christian era. And you can find their writing mixed together right at the beginning of the Bible. For instance, read the first chapters of Genesis and you will find two stories of creation, different ones back to back. One was written by J, the other by E. Now, when it comes from the commandments that were transmitted to us from God by Moses, these were written by J and E as well. But the verses about homosexuality that I read to you, they are in Leviticus, and Leviticus was written by P 400 years later than J and E. Now, P were a bunch of priests living with the people in exile, still wondering what is it that they could do to make sure that the people doesn't break the covenant again and, and is never sent in exile for several generations again. They wrote what is called a code of holiness with tons of rules to make sure that you're holier than thou and that you'll be irreproachable. Of course, a people in exile, uprooted and away from home, will also worry about their future, which reinforces the need for procreation and discouraging sexual activity that does not lead to that, non-productive sex. Historians would tell you that... Back then, they were part of a mosaic of societies and cultures and countries, the same as we are now. And the biggest societies who were thriving were not afraid of non-productive sex. But Israel was, because they were trying to rebuild themselves. What people often don't realize is that those verses were part of a series of a 613 rules, and many we don't care about today. These rules were not so much meaning to oppress people, but it was to give them intellectual standards, poor ones, but it was about not crossing boundaries. They wanted clarity in everything. The same chapter says don't eat pork because it was weird that pigs, they have hoofs, but they're separated in two. Since you don't know in what category put them, they must be dirty. So you stay away from them. The same chapter says you should not have any tattoos. Hey, that's interesting. How many tattoos 
or graven images do we have in our churches today? Hmm? Since ink could be used to make a false image of God as well as drawing a permanent flower on your body, then, oh, they must be both bad. Let's ban any tattoos. Same chapter for shopping on Sundays. You're not supposed to. If you go into a store on Sundays, you're a pig. You're a homosexual full of tattoos. Yes, by Leviticus standard, they're all the same. I'm not calling anybody a pig. They are. This is a classic example of a society deciding to become rigid as it's trying to make sense of life in itself. Nothing can cross boundaries. Nothing can be flexible. It's all black and white. There's plenty of things in my life that do not make sense and that I will never understand fully. But I don't start judging other people for that just to feel more comfortable. But being gay makes sense as much as being born with brown eyes or blue eyes makes sense. You are born the way you are born and then you're trying to use everything you were given to make a better world out of love. And loving another person and really enjoying everything a close intimate relationship has to offer... That's love. That's making many lives more beautiful. And the same rules about sex apply to everyone, including queer people. Share love, share intimacy, as long as you are not hurting someone else. Are you using your body in a loving way? That's for you to decide. It's nobody else's business. So there you have it. Because verses speaking against male homosexuality were written 500 years after God made a covenant with Moses and dictated the terms, we don't believe that the opposition to homosexuality comes from God. It comes from people who are afraid. Now, some people might say, okay, Etienne, you make a good point for Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but what about those cities of extreme debauchery like like Sodom and Gomorrah who were destroyed in Genesis way before that? Then I would say thank you for that question too, because God did not decide to destroy those cities because of homosexuals. Even though some people today still dare think that tsunamis and other natural catastrophes are caused by gays. Yes, there was homosexuality in Sodom and Gomorrah. But the problem was not the gender of people having sex together. It was the way they were having sex. They were raping strangers. The Old Testament was originally written in ancient Hebrew. And in Hebrew, there was no word for rape. The word they use in the story was violent penetration and other similar words that always include a violent connotation associated with the way sex was being had. One of the most important rule of the culture since Abraham was hospitality. When strangers came to your door asking for help or food, you had to treat them as best you could with what you have. But in Sodom and Gomorrah, people were ganging up on strangers 
and they would have fun humiliating other people. Men would rape other men. It was a power thing more than a sex thing. It was a practice designed to break them, which is the intent of rape. I hope I don't have to explain to you the difference between two persons of the same sex loving together and building a life together and wanting to contribute to the vision of God for everybody and somebody that rapes another one. You know the difference, right? Now you might say, Etienne, why are you talking, only talking about homosexuality between men? Well, that's because the Bible says nothing about female homosexuality. Absolutely nothing. And of course, it's not all the churches that are making this devastating mistake of excluding LGBTQ2S plus people. Let me tell you of one of my best memories of uh, when I was a minister in church. I was serving in a congregation that previously had voted against celebrating uh, same-sex marriages. For reasons that I don't know, they were not ready. And then that changed before I arrived. But I was the first to celebrate the baptism of um, children of same-sex couples. This one time, it was before Easter. It was approaching. And we decided to have a double baptism of um, two little girls who each had two different mothers. So two lesbian families, if we can call them that. And there was so much joy. A lot of people had relatives who are queer, like their grandchildren, their children, their aunts and uncles, their mothers and fathers. And even if you didn't know an LGBTQ person, there was so much joy and hope for everyone because they have vivid proof that alleged church would actually care more about Jesus' invitation to include everybody in this great project with God. They really understood that if you're afraid about your future and you want to be prosper and secure, you don't have to crack down on non-productive sex. You need to boost inclusivity. You need to boost welcoming. You need to boost non-judgment and not do it as an act of charity just to congratulate yourself and be so self-righteous. Every time a community really makes an effort to include and understand and really welcome those who've been hurt or those who are part of a minority who has less power, we become richer. My friend, if you describe yourself as an LGBTQQS plus person, you have so much to give the world to make it more beautiful and more just. And I know you can use your God-given talents. And if you are heterosexual, then we need you to continue to help open arts about this. You can also know that God smiles on you when you're using your body to enjoy life while respecting yourself and others. Don't let anybody judge you if your sexuality doesn't hurt anybody. It's all part 
of tenderness, vulnerability, pleasure, and love. Are you filled with love, friend? Then you are blessed. And I will see you soon. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Friendly Rev podcast with Etienne Lesage. If you like what you heard, please give us a good review. Also, subscribe to this podcast and never miss an episode when it comes out. You can send me your questions and comments by logging onto my website at www.friendlyrev.com. I'm looking forward to reading you and to a next time together.